I went to Fresh Market yesterday. I have a T-shirt from, um, what is it? Emma's Revolution song group. And it has peace in Arabic, written in Arabic script. It has peace written in Hebrew. And it has peace written just in English letters bottom. It's a black t-shirt. I was just getting out of my car in the parking lot and starting to walk across and this woman was headed into Fresh Market and she turned around and yelled across the parking lot. She goes, I love your (laughs) t-shirt. And I just stuck my hands up and said, yeah. That was good. I have um, what song does that intro to the cell phone come from? It's bugging me. What's it? Bad to the bone. Thank you. I knew, I knew you'd know it. That's it. Did everybody hear that? Bad to the bone. So our readings from Parker Palmer's are from Parker Palmer's A Hidden Wholeness and subtitled The Journey Toward an Undivided Life, Welcoming the Soul and Weaving Community in a Wounded World. Chapter 1, Images of Integrity, Living Divided No More. And this is a quote from Fallen Island by Douglas Wood. Jack pines are not lumber trees, and they won't win many beauty contests wither. But to me, this valiant old tree, solitary on its own rocky point, is as beautiful as a living thing can be. In the calligraphy of its shape against the sky is written strength of character and perseverance, survival of wind, drought, cold, heat, disease. In its silence, it speaks of wholeness and integrity that comes from being what you are. Thomas Merton claimed that there is in all things a hidden wholeness. But back in the human world where we are less self-revealing than Jack Pines, Merton's words can at times sound like wishful thinking, afraid that our inner light will be extinguished or our inner darkness exposed We hide our true identities from each other. In the process, we become separated from our own souls. We end up living divided lives, so far removed from the truth we hold within that we cannot know the, quote, integrity that comes from being what you are. Our Soul Matters theme for the month is wholeness. And for those of you who are new, you can go to our website and call up those materials. For me, wholeness is a broad, encompassing word that invites me in. It's foundational in a way to my religious sense. But what is it to each of us? Here are the word roots from the materials. Our understanding of whole comes from through the old Germanic and Norse languages, how and hyla, which, did I say that right? Have I? Close. Which get, how do you say it? Hyla. Which give the sense of entire, unhurt, uninjured, safe, healthy, 
sound, genuine, straightforward, undamaged, complete. Our word for health has similar roots. So let's expand on that and do a little word association. We'll first do the synonyms that come to mind, and after we've done that, then we'll turn and and do the opposites. So when I say wholeness, right relationship, belonging, integrity, what words come to mind for you? Wholeness. Just call out if you're complete. Circle, unity. Peace, health, balance, balance, harmony, resonance, integer, integrity, integer, whole number. Anybody else? Okay. I also included home and love. So now think the opposite. If I say wholeness, what do you think? Separate, divided, broken, fragmented, fractured, empty, partial, wrong, isolated, alone. Despair, afraid, scared, lost. Think of all those words. That kind of gets me just saying all those. Exactly. Wholeness. I like the feel of wholeness in my mouth. I like it as a word. It has important meaning and feeling for me. It encompasses a lot of my religious yearning and my religious understanding. It's that sense of orientation I talk about, a sense of moving and not being lost, a settled sense which I then carry with me and from which I venture into life and love. When I've got that, that's when I'm good to go, as it were. It is not something I have with me at all times. I lose it in the moment and in the day. I feel like at times that I've actually broken this wholeness. But it's also something that I have never lost beyond having the sense of return. It's way out there, but I have the sense that it will return. I can return to it over and over again. Parker Palmer begins the prelude to his book by remembering how years ago Midwestern farmers on the Great Plains at the first sign of the first blizzard of the year would tie a rope from the back door of the house out to the barn. Quote, they all knew stories of people who had wandered off and been frozen to death, having lost sight of home in a whiteout while still in their own backyards. I don't remember if my daughter Hannah had to read A Little House on the Prairie or if I read it to her, but I read it and I wouldn't unless she had to read it. I wouldn't have gone there at that space. But it was a great book 
you remember how Laura Ingalls tells the story of growing up on the farm in Minnesota that her family settled in the, about in the 1880s. One of the images that really made an impression on me from that book is of her father tying a rope from the house to the barn and then following it through the storms and then through and under the snow to feed the stock through one very severe winter. It was so severe that the train got stuck in the pass and the men of the town couldn't dig it out. They had to wait for it to thaw enough to, for the train to come to town. I think their Thanksgiving turkey was in a, frozen in a barrel on that train. And that, that's another story. Palmer says that today we have a blizzard, we live in a blizzard of another sort. And this was written in 2009. It swirls around us as economic injustice, ecological ruin, physical and spiritual violence, and then, the, as he says, the consequence of that, which is war. It swirls within us as fear and frenzy, greed and deceit and indifference, and I would add a disturbing feeling of helplessness to the suffering of others. It says we can feel lost in what Leonard Cohen calls the blizzard of the world. Palmer puts it this way, it's easy to believe the poet's claim that the blizzard of the world has overturned the order of the soul. Easy to believe that the soul, that life-giving core of the human self with its hunger for truth and justice, love and forgiveness has lost the power to guide our lives. It's just too quiet and understated for the outside noise. It's easy to ignore any sense of wholeness in our frightened efforts to find our way. Palmer then proceeds, he says, to write the book that will help us tie a rope from the back door out to the barn so that we can always find our way home again. He says when we catch sight of the soul, we can survive the blizzard without losing our hope or our way. When we catch sight of the soul, we can become healers in a wounded world for ourselves and for others, in the family, in the neighborhood, in the congregation, in the workplace, and in political life, as we are called back to our hidden wholeness amid the violence of the storm. Wholeness restored. Now, Palmer uses the language of the soul that life-giving core of the human self with its hunger for truth and justice, love and forgiveness, sort of right relationship felt in a way that is interchangeable. He uses it with wholeness and its feeling, its grace and belonging. But let's try to hear that and not get hung up on our preconceived notions of soul that we got from attending church <laughs> um, through the early part of our lives. So let's just go with wholeness to make it simple. Also, Thomas Merton was a Benedictine monk, a philosopher and mystic. And when he talks about a hidden wholeness, let's not get lost and worry about whether he was referring to God or not. It's an underlying, indwelling, right relationship either way. Here's how I think of wholeness. We come from wholeness that then lives within us and in which we live. 
I do it from my sense of cosmology and ecology. Earth, our planet home, is the only place we know of where sunlight becomes life and love. It supports life. By definition, that is a wholeness. And life takes, then takes the form of me and you, each of us in our own way. The universe becomes us. Our universalist forebears understood this in their own way and assured us that this form that the universe has taken is good. It's not broken in need of being saved, but whole in need of connecting with that wholeness and then making it real in our lives, in our world, in how we live our lives. There is a living wholeness that lives in each of us. There is a living wholeness that lives in each of us, that is us. So just sit with that. Quiet the mind, saying no, 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 and just take it in. Palmer says he really saw and understood this inner wholeness when his first grandchild was born. He hadn't seen it in his children earlier. I saw something in her that I had missed in my own children some 25 years earlier when I was too young and self-absorbed to see anyone, including myself, very well. What I saw was clear and simple. In my granddaughter, I actually observed something I could once take only on faith. We are born with a seed of selfhood that contains the spiritual DNA of our uniqueness. An encoded birthright knowledge of who we are, who we are, why we are here, and how we are related to others. This is the line. We may abandon that knowledge as the years go by, but it never abandons us. Or as Pete Buttigieg, who is openly gay and running for president, said so well in more mainstream theist language and in response to Mike Pence's negative views of the LGBTQ people and their issues. He said, if me being gay was a choice, it was a choice that was made far, far above my pay grade. (laughs) If you got a problem with who I am, Your problem is not with me. Your quarrel, sir, is with my creator. It is with his wholeness. And he's not hiding his wholeness. Or these parts of it, at least. We may abandon the wholeness that we are as the years go by, but it never abandons us. In the Friday night Soul Matters potluck this last Friday night, we discussed the theme of wholeness. The kids were running around and then they went outside and we sat and talked about this. And it became clear that we needed to be reminded that as Palmer says, when we talk about wholeness, wholeness is not about perfection. It does not mean perfection. It means embracing brokenness as an integral part of life. This should give us hope, Parker says, that human wholeness, mine, yours, ours, need not be a utopian dream. We can develop a new heart for loving even our imperfections. 
He says, my life is not only about my strengths and virtues, it is also about my liabilities and my limits, my trespasses and my shadow. An inevitable, though often ignored dimension of the quest for wholeness is that we must embrace what we dislike or find shameful about ourselves as well as what we are confident and proud of. (laughs) And then there's that response that says, yeah, right. Wholeness is an enlivening and embracing sense to be returned to and to draw on and from over and over again. We are not broken. We are living into wholeness. We wrap ourselves in the fabric of belonging, but we also weave it with our choices, and sometimes we tear it with our mistakes, only to mend it again. As I wrote that, I had a side thought, and remember, some of you can remember that there was a time when socks were actually darned to fix the holes, and they were not thrown away. They were darned over and over again. And then finally there came the time that a new pair, but it was knitted. It wasn't bought. It was knitted when it was needed. The fabric of belonging. Here's an example from last week of how the grace of wholeness comes together. A friend stopped by one morning. They were distraught. Something had happened. They had made a mistake, and it might turn out badly. They had gotten distracted and were now in the consequences. This is what they said. I am so irresponsible. This happened. I'm a bad person. If it does turn out badly, I will never be able to forgive myself. In the course of our conversation, we were able to see how, yes, there was a mistake. There was a moment of distraction. But no, they weren't a bad person. And these were the reasons why, if you needed them, a list, but that plays into it. And yes, they would be able to forgive themselves. We embraced the quote, wrong. Personally, and as a community, we affirm their goodness. We would be there in their journey into forgiveness, should that be necessary. In that morning, we faced the broken moment And what did we do? We came back to wholeness. We found the rope in the storm, and then the morning took shape. The sun shone again. Critique and growth can come, they can both come from a place of wholeness. Coming from this larger wholeness, we can better hear and take in and move with the named need. This is particularly true in congregational life and how we talk about this fellowship that is so dear and important to each of us. But there are times you wouldn't know that to hear us speak because we speak from our love, but then our anxiety and our critique. When you think about what's wrong, maybe take a moment to appreciate what's right or to have brought you to that moment where there is this space to do something a little different. Take a moment to appreciate what's right and good and whole so that your comment might come from more of the wholeness of and for the community. Then it can become more an invitation into greater wholeness and less the scolding of brokenness. 
Developmental psychologist Eric Erickson wrote about the stages of one's life. Each one involved a light and a shadow side, and he called the stage for the later years, so that's where I'm getting interested in it. When much of the doing part of life has been lived, he called it integrity versus despair. Many people in here know just to say it. Where you look back on the life lived and accept or find how the pieces fit, they have integrity or a felt wholeness. The alternative is that the brokenness cannot be made sense of and we are left without hope or repair. Despair. So as I approach that time in my life, and I've used that phrase and worried about it a lot, I think that wholeness should inform us and even how we hear um, Erickson. We are whole. We are a wholeness made up of many integrities. Integrities. Many wholenesses mended and restored over time. It's not all or nothing, but an embrace of all the so-called imperfections along the way. We can develop a new heart for loving, one that can embrace even our imperfections. So in order to close, let's return to clear and simple. Think about the Buddhist practice of mindfulness. Think about returning to the breath. Think about that. It's a wholeness practice. When you're angry, when you're scared, hectic, ungrounded, feeling the scattered of broken pieces, return to your breath. Reach out with your hand and feel around in the whiteout of the storm to find the rope from the barn to the house or the house to the barn. Return to the present moment and then the wholeness in and around you. Yes, each one of you sitting here in your uniqueness, in your space, inclusive opportunity space that the universe has formed in you. Return to the present moment and the wholeness in and around you. Let the rope of wholeness guide you back to the hearth in the home. The hearth, drop one letter and you get the heart of who you are. Remember Parker Palmer and what he said in the love of his granddaughter. Remember then yours, your granddaughter and sons and the daughter and son that you are. We may abandon the wholeness that we are as the years go by, but it never abandons us. Our universalist tradition holds up this wholeness at the heart of the universe. As we live into it, we make it so. Let us do that with the knowledge of who we are, why we are here, and how we are related to each other, creating a living integrity of one moment of wholeness restored at a time.